0: Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here again this week, and I'm really excited to introduce a guest that I brought, Will Bachman. We met on LinkedIn, and he has such a wealth of knowledge about independent consulting and the staffing industry. And so I can't wait for him to share his perspective with you on how to make more money as an independent consultant, more money, more impact have more influence and more flexibility. So, Will, let's start out and have you introduce yourself.
1: Well, Melissa, thank you so much. It's great being on your show. I love the work you're doing and all the resources you've put together on your website. So, Will Bachman, I was at McKinsey for five years after five years in the submarine force. I started my own independent consulting practice in 2008. And what I'm doing now is running a global community of independent management consultants called Umbrex. That's U-M-B-R-E-X. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, your listeners are welcome to send me a connection request. It's Will Bachman, B-A-C-H-M-A-N. And if you look me up, you'll probably find me there. I'm happy to connect request. And looking forward to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks, Will. This is great. Will had me on his podcast a few weeks ago. And so... It's uh, fun to turn the tables and now get to ask him a lot of questions. So let's just start off. And why don't you tell me more about Umbrex, how you got started and what you do and give us all the details.
1: Sure. Well, the idea of Umbrex, it really started with community. So when I left McKinsey and started my own consulting practice in 2008, I thought it'd be valuable to be connected with a set of peers of other independent management consultants that were doing the same thing to have people to share lessons learned with. I didn't know how to you know write a statement of work or find health insurance or an attorney or write a proposal. and I figured it'd be helpful to be connected with other people to you know share those lessons learned as well as possibly collaborate with people on projects. So started informally connecting with other people that I know I'd left the firm. I began organizing events for people to connect in person that grew over time. So what Umbrex does now is on the community side and the consultant facing side, we're working to create opportunities for independent consultants to connect with one another, to share lessons learned. Uh, We do in-person events as well as online events almost every week. We have an online forum. We have resources for our members. And then the business model is we don't charge members we help our clients find the right independent consultant for their projects. And when we do that, we invoice that consultant through Umbrex and we add a modest markup.
0: Yeah. So another word for what you do now with Umbrex is kind of a staffing firm that is surrounded by a lot of value-added services that support the independent consultant's in order for them to be successful. Is that a good way to summarize it, Will?
1: Sure. No, sure. I think a staffing firm is the term a lot of people would use. You know, some firms in the space will call it a talent marketplace, but the staffing firm is a fine way to, to talk about it for the business model side, you know, separate from the community building side.
0: Okay. And Will, tell us what you see right now in terms of trends in terms of the buyers. So people who are buying consulting services what kinds of trends are you seeing now with them?
1: Well, it's certainly right now, You know, as we're talking here in you know, late 2021, the busiest I've seen the consulting market in 20 years. I started at McKinsey in 2001 as a business analyst. It's the busiest I've ever seen the consulting market. So definitely the demand is very high for people with the right skill sets. I'd say the typical advice for consultants is always to really, you know, define your fishing line, define your your value proposition, what you focus on. But right now, you know, generalists are also in demand. Basically, if you can really create good pages, if you can do Excel, if you can really help, you know, lead clients into problem solving, then then you're in demand right now.
0: Yeah. Okay. And do you see a difference, Will, in the way that corporate clients are going out to find those independent consultants?
1: Well, I do. I see that more and more clients are becoming comfortable with the idea of using independent management consultants. And I think that's a trend that I've seen over the past 10 years. But I think it continues to accelerate. It's probably accelerated during COVID when clients are sitting in their home and they are engaging consultants. They start thinking to, myself, to themselves like, Right now, let's say they're hiring McKinsey. They could hire a McKinsey team who would all be working from home, or we could hire independent consultants who would be working from home. And there's even less of a differentiation. So I think you know people don't have this need necessarily. Oh, we have to have a management consultant you know team on site at our client headquarters. We can use independent consultants instead of a big consulting firm. So I've seen just a greater openness to using folks that are working remotely although certainly independent consultants often travel and work on-site, there just seems more openness to exploring different models.
0: Mm, Okay. From your perspective, as you work with the people who are buying consulting services, how do you think they make the decision? At what point and how do they make the decision to use an external consultant versus other ways that they could potentially meet the need that they've got?
1: So I think, you know, any client goes through a series of you know first of all they have to decide that they have a need right that they have a need to get some kind of project done and that might either be they realize it themselves or the ceo had some mandate we need to get this thing done typically clients will first think about do we have the resources in house right do we have the people in house to do it and if they do then that's what they should use right i mean it always makes much more sense to use your own employees to do a project if you have people who are available and have skill set if they don't then companies think about well how am i going to get the talent Uh, they could hire people and obviously that's one possible option but in this market right now i mean in any market it typically takes two to three months at a minimum to hire a professional and right now it might take four or five or six months so if you're willing to wait four or five six months that's a possible approach or you might hire a consulting firm if it's a larger project but certainly you pay a lot more to hire a consulting firm than if you want to hire the exact same individuals who in the exact same skill sets. But if they just left that consulting firm and they're now independent consultants, it's typically you're paying something like one third to one half, uh, what you'd pay if you're hiring them as a large consulting firm. I think when firms are making that trade off, be hiring a consulting firm, like should we hire McKinsey or Bain or BCG? Or should we hire a team of two or three McKinsey alums or Bain alums or BCG alums? They think, or maybe I just need one McKinsey or Bain or BCG alum or Deloitte alum. They're thinking about the trade-off between, do I really need that full firm infrastructure behind it? Or can I supervise a team and pull it together? Because you certainly save a lot if you're willing to you work with independents and build them into a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. And what do you see working right now really well for um, independents to get the, get the attention of those decision makers?
1: Well, okay. So that, that opens up the whole box of how do you go about and do business development, right? So that's something that we could probably spend, you know, a 10 or 15 episode series on.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but the key things that I tell people about are, first of all, you want to have clarified what is your... Value proposition as a consultant or as an independent professional, right? So getting clarity to yourself, first of all, what clients do you serve and what problems do you work on? So solving that and then make all of your other communications consistent with that. So you have a clear brand message. So when people talk about you to someone else, they can say, Hey, Jane, John, Juan, whoever, you know, that they know what to say about you. Right. So if you're just like, Oh, I'm a generalist, I work on pharma, and healthcare, and financial services, and I do operations and strategy and marketing. It's like nothing to hang your hat on there. There's nothing to hook you. Yeah. So getting clarity on what your offering is, what you solve, and then having all of the other collateral around that. So not just a resume, but ideally have a project list, listing out all the projects you've done over the last 10 or 20 years. Having a sample of sanitized work helps a lot because people want to say, okay, great. Person looks good on paper, but do they actually have skills to produce pages still? A lot of people don't have that because they say, Oh, every client that I've ever served, it's all confidential. Hmm. Well, take one day and just, you know, hire yourself to do some project work and do a due diligence on some random company that you picked or put some pages together so yeah. having a sample of work making sure that your LinkedIn profile clearly communicates what your value proposition is and i put together a whole kind of checklist of how to not optimize your profile and then you need to stay top of mind to people that already know you and like you so most independent consultants that i talk to particularly in their early days most of their work is going to be coming from people that already know you and trust you and like you right so the trick is to remind those people that you exist and stay top of mind and you know one way to do that is by just calling people and checking in and that's something that you can do sort of once or twice per year but you can't check in every week with someone so if uh, the people that are creating content on some regular basis whether it's a podcast or LinkedIn posts or blog posts or something that if you're creating some kind of content that gives you the right to then reach out to the people that know you already and say, hey, I created this content. Maybe you send a newsletter, you know, maybe you post it on LinkedIn, but it gives you something to talk about. So then, you know, just you want to stay top of mind and be that first person that someone calls.
0: Yeah. Okay. Such good advice, Will. And sometimes we forget the fundamentals, I think. So I appreciate you sharing a perspective on that. I think another way for people to fill their, you know, fill their capacity is through working with companies like yours, through Umbrex, for example. So tell us a little bit about what you see. The uh, lessons learned are when you see consultants engaging with your organization.
1: Sure. So there's a number of different, and we'll we'll use the term staffing firms out there that. Have as a business connecting clients with the right independent professional for their project. So, the first thing I'd say is identify what are the staffing firms in your particular industry or niche that are active, and don't try to just sign up for every single one of them and spread all your energy across too large of a number of staffing firms, but rather pick maybe one or two or three that you're going to focus your efforts on because different firms have different approaches. Some are platforms where you have to log on and then be constantly monitoring what projects are being posted there and putting pitches or or proposals against them. Others might have some other approach where they're reaching out to you to see if you're interested and available. But whichever you don't want to spread your efforts too thin across them, right? And be focusing your efforts on firms that either are going after different kind of talent or rates that are, you know, maybe below where you like to be. Mm. So pick your firms. Number one, number two is do that thing that we just talked about, which is getting real clarity on your value proposition. Some people call it a fishing line on what problems do you work on? What clients do you serve and be able to articulate that and something that people can remember? Number three is having all of those that collateral available and ready to go. So it's super helpful to have a project list. And you might have a sanitized list or and an unsanitized list. You might have a complete list for your own self, which is like every single project you've ever worked on, the name of the client, the name of the executive, with some bullet points. That allows you to respond quickly when a firm or a client asks you for some sample bullet points on a particular topic. You can look them up real quick, copy and paste. It also helps having a sample of sanitized work. We talked about that. Helps having a bio ready to go. So having all that collaboration. The next thing is respond quickly when they reach out. So if it's a platform, try to like be checking it regularly so that you can respond within a few hours of your project being posted. Or if the staffing firm reaches out to you, respond quickly, even if you're staff. If you're staff, respond quickly and say, Hey, sorry, I'm busy right now, I'm not available. You know, firms appreciate that responsiveness, and that makes them more likely to reach out to you the next time when they do it. When the firms do respond, don't say, Oh, you already have my resume on file, right? Or you already have this. I sent it to you six months ago. Just like go find it in your email. You want to make it as easy as possible for the staffing firm to get their stuff done. So even if you sent it before, you know, who is who has an easier time finding your resume? Like you, you know, finding it off your computer or the staffing firm. Maybe they're super organized, and maybe they have a great system, and maybe they can easily pull it. But why not make it easy for them by saying, here's my resume, here's my bullet points, here's my project list, here's my sample sanitized work. Make it easy for that firm to, you know, help you. Next thing you can do is understand the sort of rules of engagement for that particular staffing firm so typically staffing firms are going to prefer that you don't discuss fees with the client typically although some you know have full transparency so just ask what's the rules around that and just be a good citizen don't for example try to disintermediate the staffing firm that doesn't not a good way to win friends or don't try to like introduce other people you know to that client so understand the set of kind of ground rules that firm would like you to observe. If the staffing firm introduces you to the client, then keep the staffing firm updated as the p- conversations progress. If you get schedule an interview, let them know. If you have an interview, let them know how it goes, etc. Uh, you can also be a good citizen by certainly introducing other talent to that staffing firm uh, if they're looking to expand their talent base, and most are. And certainly, if you are aware of Project opportunities that are not a good fit for you, then the staffing firm will probably appreciate, you know, getting those before you just hand those over. You do want to discuss, you know, if they offer a referral fee, how that's structured and, you know, get those kind of details clarified ahead of time before you make the intro. So there's no kind of hard feelings afterward. And then if you do get staffed on a project, then over the course of that project, ask the staffing firm how they'd like to be in the loop. Some want a weekly check-in. Some might only want to be informed if there's an issue. But just ask how they want to be informed, and then when the project's over, talk to the firm about how you and the staff and the firm together will follow up with that client. You know, a month later, whatever, to check in to see how it went and to uh, see if there's any follow-up
0: such a good blueprint. Will I, we will summarize all of this and put it in the show notes? So all of it is laid out step by step. That's you know really helpful. I think a lot of people have worked with staffing or are aware of staffing firms and potentially have worked with them before. But it's those those steps that you just highlighted that can make it make a consultant stand out. Um, and it's so, so many easy things, right? It's all centered around communication and transparency, really. Yeah. Let's dive in a little bit. I would love to hear your perspective on the rate side of this. This is one of the most common questions that I get from independent consultants is maybe you could talk about it a little bit generally, but then also in a staffing firm context, how rates are determined or should be determined in working with with their consulting clients? Yeah.
1: Well, I'd say one piece of advice I give is find other independent consultants who have similar backgrounds to you, and find out what they charge right? Mm -hmm. So there's basically two fundamental ways of structuring rates in the consulting world. One is by kind of time and materials, right? You know, just based on your time. And the other one is based on the value that deliver. And you could do some kind of combination of that. So if you are serving a client directly, then... You have a bit more flexibility on how you structure your fees. And, you know, it may be a little bit easier to think about the, you know, structuring your fee based on the value that you're going to provide. That gets a little bit harder when you're working with a staffing firm. It's still possible. So some of our projects are based on daily rates. We do some projects that will be a fixed fee based on a defined scope of work. But it just gets a little bit more complicated when you're, Trying to base something and saying, well, we're going to deliver a million dollars of value and it's fair to charge, you know, what do you think is fair? Charge 10% of that. So we'll charge 10% of that one million. So, okay, the fee's a hundred thousand. Typically when you're working with a staffing firm, they're going to be looking at several candidates. And, you know, so it usually does come down to more of some kind of time and materials type rate. Usually you want to know what is typical in your space. So some industries they just think in terms of hourly rates, and there's nothing wrong with that. Some tend to think more in terms of daily rates, some think about weekly rates. So management consultants, what I typically see is defaulting more towards like a daily rate. And then you're not tracking like how many hours you took for lunch or whatever, but uh, that's what I typically see. Now in terms of raising your rates over time, my own personal experience You know, before I started running Umbrex and was doing more of my own consulting, was my own strategy was start low, get as utilized as possible, and then raise my rates over time. So I had a higher utilization rate than probably average. I started at around eleven or twelve hundred dollars a day, then I raised my rates twenty percent year on year, right, for multiple years. And I was at ninety to ninety-five percent utilization uh for like five, six years in a row. So I'd say that's my strategy because I like to be busy is, you know, price where you feel like it's at market or be maybe even a little bit below market and then get busy and then you have clients who like you and want to refer you and then raise your rate over time. The best way really to raise your rates is to be able to deliver more value. So if you are just a generic, like capable consultant with, Two or three or five years of experience at some consulting firm, and you're just filling in a generic associate or senior associate or engagement manager slot. You're going to be less able to command a premium than if you have a truly unique skill set, right? So what you want to do is build up a unique skill set. So people are, you know, want you by name. They don't just want any engagement manager or any senior associate. We want you in particular, right? Because only you have that particular knowledge and to build that kind of credibility. Again, we talked about before is to create content. If a client's looking at two people, right? For a project, let's say in pharma, pharma drug launches, let's just pick something random. Let's say both are former consultants from top firms. They both worked in the pharma practice. They both done drug launches, but one of them has a podcast. Where they've done 50 episodes interviewing people about how do you do a foreign drug launch? And one person hasn't. Who's more credible, right? Who's going to be able to command a higher rate? Well, the person who has some credibility and can say proof, like, look, you know, here's, here's my knowledge of this. I've done 50 episodes, right? On this very topic, they're going to be pure more credible and command a higher rate.
0: Yeah. So good. Will. that brings up the question to me of, as you work with so many independent consultants over the course of your, the last 10 or so years, tell me what you see one of the, one or two ways that they're getting in their own way.
1: Well, I'd say people may be a little bit reluctant to reach out and just make outbound phone calls, right? That's one thing where. Sometimes people try to complexify it too much, or they think, "Oh, before I reach out to this former client, I need to be prepared to deliver some value on that phone call." And then maybe, "Oh, I have to research the industry trends, and I have to, you know, have something interesting to say, and I have to check their latest, you know, 10K and familiarize it myself." And they do all this research and they end up making like no phone calls. So it's fine to have a phone call with someone and not deliver value, just a relationship and just check in on someone. So I'd say people should do more outbound phone calls, just check in on people, not asking for a project, but just saying like, Hey, you know, call up, you worked with Jane Smith five years ago on a project. Hey Jane, it's been five years and I, you just came to mind. I thought I'd give you a ring and see what's new in your universe. So I would do more of that.
0: Keep it simple. We overcomplicate things. Yeah. Absolutely. Will, for those consultants out there listening who would like to learn more about how to work with your organization, tell us how that works.
1: Sure. So independent consultants, we're always happy to connect. You can visit umbrex.com, U-M-B-R-E-X.com and just request to join the community. It's pretty obvious where to find it on the site. Uh, You're also welcome to send me a connection request. And for people that are in the process of setting up their practice or within the first couple of years, I'm happy to give listeners of your show free access to a guide that uh, we created. It has 90 videos and 30 tools and templates. We normally charge $500 for it, but if folks want to contact me, I'll give them a discount code to be able to register for that. And that's uh, that guide's on the website. You're welcome to go on there and register and pay for it. But if you want a (laughs) a discount code for your listeners, I'm happy to give them one. So just reach out to me. They can send me a connection request at Will Bachman on LinkedIn.
0: I appreciate that, Will. Thank you for offering that. You know, I've been on your website and worked with some of your team also on some projects that we're working on. And you've created such a wealth of resources and knowledge and ongoing community for independent consultants and it's a lonely can be a really lonely uh, profession so I highly recommend that you reach out to will since he offered it and also I will mention for him too that he has an amazing podcast called unleashed so go check that out as well he I, how often do you release uh, episodes will a couple times we are, a week
1: we are on a schedule we're about doing about two or three episodes a week yeah. so yeah. Uh, that's unleashed how to thrive as an independent professional. And it's on all the major podcast platforms. And you can also check the episodes out on the Umbrex website at umbrex.com.
0: Yeah, it's a great, a great resource uh, as well. I think really complementary to what we're doing here on this podcast. So excited to meld these, all of these resources together for, for independent consultants. So Will, as we wrap up here, is there anything else that you wanted to share? with the independent consultant listener out there.
1: No, Melissa, it's been great speaking with you. And I imagine that all of your listeners have already been to your website and checked out your IC toolkit. If haven't, I highly recommend it because I think you're putting together some fantastic resources. And I appreciate the work that you're doing about helping independent consultants really get settled and, and thrive in their practice.
0: Thank you, Will. I appreciate your time and hopefully we can do this again soon.